Good morning. Welcome to week six of Kirsten's Adventures in Research Methods. This week's episode is titled, Everyone I Know is Ready to Retire. This is a very interesting week in that I've actually had a chance to put into place some of the things I've learned over the last few weeks. The first objective uh, this week involved surveying people about their career aspirations. And about three responses into this activity, I could see that it was definitely a good exercise in content analysis. The use of an open-ended survey question combined with a sample that included a wide range of subjects resulted in um, about as many different answer types as I had cases. So starting with my sample, I had about 30 potential cases, the only qualifier being that they were people I knew who I thought would be willing to respond to the survey. And this was primarily friends, so people in their mid-40s to mid-50s, and my children and their friends who are in their early 20s. I didn't ask coworkers because most of the people I work with on a daily basis report to me, and I didn't want to put them in an uncomfortable position. So the instrument disposition was basically just please reply to this text. And I found early on that the frequency count for my peers was high, but the younger group had to be reminded to respond. I entered my data on a spreadsheet. I had a little over 20 data records returned, and I could see that there were no specific answers that were repeated with much frequency. Every respondent framed their reply differently. So I decided to use thematic coding scheme to categorize the answers to help me understand more clearly the difference between thematic and syntactical. I used information sourced from not only the textbook, but also getthematic.com. So the tricky thing about this exercise is that I can certainly see that the content analysis could be impacted by researcher bias or personal experiences just um, with regards to how I categorize the replies, especially the more wordy responses or responses with more than one element. For example, if someone said, I'd like to invest in real estate so that I can retire and also leave something to my children, Then I gave them a point, so to speak, in the categories of retirement and investment. And one of the respondents, my son, actually said he wanted to take more classes or get an internship and eventually work as a sound engineer on movie sets or in music production. So I categorized this response in continue education and in work in performance industry. The takeaway from this is that I might have gotten data that was easier to analyze if I'd created a measurement instrument with um, multiple choice categories with options like retirement, continue my education, new job, or promotion within the same company, and then had them check as many as applied. Um, Just for fun, I put my results into a chart in order to get a visual representation. I started with a pie chart because I love pie. I love all baked goods, actually. Um, But because there were so few respondents per category, the pie chart didn't really tell me very much as a visual. Like at a glance, it just looked like every piece of pie was the same size, which is great if you're serving dessert, but not great if you are um, trying to do research. So I converted it to a column chart which I've included as the cover photo for this week's episode and which shows the most popular response being in some way tied to retirement. The next question for this week was the challenge of determining if the results of a study were statistically significant. I found this project to be fun because it's like a puzzle, 
but I'm also going to offer the disclaimer that I'm not 100% certain my answer is correct. Because we're using nominal data and there are two samples, students and professors, I decided to use um, a chi-squared test with a significance level of 0 0.05. I did use, um, I found a video on Khan Academy to help walk me through um, the math in a bit of as an easier to understand way than the textbook. But I did get a bit confused when trying to determine the observed value versus expected, assuming that my null hypothesis is that there won't be a difference in political leanings of professors and students. So are we expecting that they will be equal in that each group will have half conservative and half not, or expecting they will be equal and they all are conservative? So I might have made this a little bit harder than it has to be. When I used um, an expected value of 10 and a degree of freedom of 1, my calculated value was 1.6 which was less than the critical value of 3.84, which meant that the results were not statistically significant. This didn't seem logical to me, though, because just looking at the raw data or breaking it down in percentages, you would think that the difference was significant. So I recalculated using 20 as expected values, thinking maybe we were hypothesizing everyone was conservative. And as a result, as a result um, I got a chi-squared value of 9.8, which in this case is statistically significant. So I rejected the null hypothesis and instead accepted an alternative hypothesis. So anyway, I'm going to go back in and play around with this some because I want to make sure I understand it. But I did want to get my um, podcast turned in on time this week. So um, have a great week and I will look forward to visiting with you again next week. Sources for this week included getthematic.com slash insights, khanacademy.org slash math, scribber.com slash methodology slash content analysis, and Scheidler Pamela Research Methods, McGraw-Hill Publishing, 2019.